We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Light Years Podcast, we're back. This is my favorite podcast, Sam, because uh, last season, uh, usually we get some good feedback, you know, sometimes some bad feedback, whatever. Last season, we <laughs> did this pod, and we got only good feedback, which I was kind of surprised about because I'm a big fan of their podcast, and I just had no idea how many other fans that they had. So I appreciate you guys jumping on, Ben and uh, Ben and Sharp. Yeah, man, it's great to be here. It's uh, it's always nice to visit with like the beating heart of <laughs> Warriors Twitter and the Evil Empire, and so I love getting sort of like an up close look at, at at your process. I'm I I have some things I'm excited to discuss with you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I, this is becoming an annual thing. We we pod together in October and and you know pretty much discuss how much we hate KD all together. It's just you know it's a great time. <laughs> Well, look, I'm just glad it's happening because the last time I saw Andy in person, he was having a nervous breakdown during the playoffs because I think Steph missed like four straight shots, maybe the first time in his career, and Andy was hyperventilating. Then the next time I saw Andy, he was in his living room looking like he had licked an entire pack of stamps, you know, turning his living room into uh, like Coachella, just dancing like crazy (laughs) with all of his friends in a semicircle around staring at him. And I just didn't think we were going to get to this moment, Andy. I thought you probably would have retired and lived a good life by now, you know, that big mogul life. But it, it's good that you're still around and kicking. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> I had you were one of, I think, about four people on uh, press row that that turned back when Steph, I think he, what did he shoot it like off the backboard? Did he airball and hit front rim um, in one of those shots? I think it was game six. And um, I was pretty shook. I'm not going to lie. It was one of those things where I, 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 I think Matt Moore was dancing and celebrating too when that happened. <laughs> so he was he was for sure real happy. And so he turned around and he just, oh, man. So it was a, it was a great night for the first 12 minutes and then Clay saved their ass. So, you know, it all works out. Yeah. Can I just say 
taking it back to KD for a second. Uh-oh. Or an I, hour. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe an hour. But I do want to start with sincere admiration for both of you guys because I wasn't sure how you were going to handle another boring Warriors finals. But for about two months this summer, both of you became full-blown Kevin Durant stands, and it was a great Since little day one, twist. <laughs> it was like you needed a challenge, and defending KD was the only mountain left to climb. And so, Andy, in particular, you were just, like, completely off your ass defending KD for two months, and every time you would pop up, I would laugh, I would laugh my ass off back here on the East Coast because I knew you were doing it almost entirely out of boredom. <laughs> yeah. So Andy's I know inspired that... by um, uh, Johnny Cochran and all the great legal minds of our time. He's just trying. To, <laughs> he's just trying to pick cases that are difficult. It was amazing. It was really Look, great. Sharp, don't give him too much credit though, because when these rumors were coming out about you know Kevin Durant might go to the Knicks or whatever, and you know I know you you dipped your toe into those rumor waters and tried to like stoke Katie uh, heading out of town next summer. I saw Andy. <laughs> flip right back around straight to pure Steph stand. This guy was giving Kevin a firm handshake on his way out. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much for your uh, contributions. You have the right to pick any team you want to pick, you know, feel free. You, you have your free agency. Don't be afraid to pick a different team. I mean, it is ridiculous how you guys treat a two time finals MVP. You're ready for him to be out. Just admit it. I mean, you have no, I mean, if you had your druthers, you would trade him for nothing next summer. Like, you just dump him and just take the cap space, wouldn't you? Seriously. Like, I, I want to know, as true Steph believers, are you is part of you excited for what would happen if KD just bounced next summer? Obviously. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I go back and forth. Uh, 50% I'm excited to see Steph just – just go back to the Steph show every night. You know, I don't care if he goes six for 30 one night. Just, just chuck, chuck, chuck. Um, but the, the other part of me is the pragmatic side, which is, you know, Steph's 30. He's going to be 31. He's going to get uh -huh. older. And it's like, it's, uh, he doesn't need to have that kind of an offensive load going into his mid thirties. Cause we're just going to end up killing him. And that's going to be much sadder than any other scenario. My, my thing is if, so if KD stays, I'm going to assume that Draymond probably won't stay. This is not sourced. It's just an assumption that, that they'll probably not pay Draymond, and Draymond will, will get all upset, and he'll leave and like, go to the Lakers, um, which is kind of what I'm, <laughs> what I'm assuming, yeah. uh, a, bold, a bold guess. So if that happens, you're going to see a lot more. So this is kind of like a bailout answer. You're going to see a lot more Steph and KD shooting that they'll actually, like instead of Draymond dribbling the ball up and picking who to choose from, it'll be Steph and KD coming and jacking shots up. So I think the worst, the quote unquote worst is behind us, guys. I think the your turn, <laughs> my turn, Steph, KD, uh, a dynasty is behind us. Now a season or two seasons from now when Draymond is gone, um, that you're going to see and they're going to be a little bit older, Steph and KD, and the teams are going to get better, like Sharp Celtics and Sam Celtics. Yeah. When that happens, um, you're going to see those guys have to score like 35 points to win it in the NBA Finals title. So that's going to be more fun. Um, I'm ready for that. But at the same time, if KD wants to play for James Dolan and wants to make that decision, I'm all good with it. I'm all good with it because then 
because um, then Laker will have no choice but to bring the band back together, meaning they'll have to run Steph, Clay, and Draymond back, and maybe some DeMarcus Cousins on on a on a longer on a longer contract after a good year playing with Steph. So who knows? So where does the ring accumulation kind of factor into this? Because you guys are just talking personalities, you're talking style play, you're talking touches, and I think you're spoiled rotten. I mean, you guys have won so much here over the last four <laughs> this years. This is that... how you think after like three titles. You're, That's you're, what I'm saying. So doesn't some part of you... The winning is assumed. Say... It's, now, <laughs> it's, now it's about how they win. Well, so but how many they win too, right? Like you guys aren't just sitting here and getting greedy, saying like we need to win seven or eight. We have to do whatever we can to keep KD happy so this thing can keep going. Or are you so confident in Steph's abilities that there will be no drop off if KD leaves? I'm 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 confident there'll be no drop off. It now it depends what they do if KD leaves. <laughs> let's be Ooh, was, let's I was, be I was real for that one. I was That's insane. with this one. Um, they'd have to build a different type of team. It'd be it'd be interesting, but it's like also, yeah. I, my first choice is he stays and they win another five rings, and Matt Moore just gets more and more agitated during every Warriors game on Twitter, and it just makes me laugh. That's my best case scenario. Yeah, I mean, here's where I am with KD right now. I mean, I think to go back a couple years, I think he sort of was unfulfilled in OKC and he was tired of playing with Russ and he there was a part of him that seemed like he was searching for something and I think there were probably a lot of factors that played into him choosing Golden State but ultimately he thought that winning a title was going to make him content and then he won it and people didn't really care some people were actively dismissive of it and that has frustrated him over the last two years and now it's like he's more restless than he was even in Go- in Oklahoma City. But I really think the the version of the future that Andy laid out, where it's like Katie and Steph and Draymond is the one who leaves, is best for Durant. And I agree that like if it's just those two and Clay, like Katie and Steph would both have to be amazing for them to keep winning. And like as a basketball fan that version of things is so much more exciting to me than like Durant just kind of going to New York and trying to make it work with like banged up Chris Stapps, Kevin Knox, who probably kind of sucks. And like Frank (laughs) Nilakita, like, I don't know, man, I I want Katie to stay in golden state. Can we, as an aside, the Knicks still take the cake of being the fan base who just assumes a player is good based off of one random clip more than anyone. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I totally. didn't think Kevin Knox was good in college, uh, no, but not that I like watched a ton of Kentucky or anything. And then he kind of showed yeah. out for like a day and a half in summer league, and then uh, next thing you know, and it's like, well, he's a future superstar. It's it's written in it's written in the stones. You know, it's it's, it's gonna happen. Dangerous. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's probably not as bad as he looked at Kentucky. He, I mean, he did kind of surprise me this summer. But like, let's slow down before we start factoring him into potentially swinging the Durant sweepstakes. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. KD could stay with Steph, but Kevin Knox is available. It's a really <laughs> tough call. Yeah, and Neil Akina's defense is elite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey. Can we walk through this hypothetical, though? Let's say Draymond is out of the picture, like Sharp saying, and Andy's already speculating that Draymond goes to the Lakers. How do the Warriors fans handle that when it's oh, like Warriors, yeah. 
Lakers, you know, every single one of them, they'll probably play on Christmas twice because the NBA would be trying to milk that, you know, as much as possible. They play like the 9 a.m. game and then like the 1230 game. But <clears throat> how do you treat Draymond in that scenario? And then if they don't look as good, who gets blamed? KD? Like, isn't that a pretty bad spot to be in KD, like in KD's shoes as the guy who kind of chased Draymond off? Because you guys love Draymond. No, I, I think it's uh, it's Lakeup. I think Sam, Sam would agree. I think it's Lakeup that I get the heat because I think if if he leaves, it's money. And I don't yeah. think it'd be like it'd be like KD is kicking him out. It'd be like, all right, well, KD gets his mat because he's KD, right? Steve, uh, Steph, Steph already has it, his, yeah. right? And, and Clay, Clay gets whatever he gets. I don't think he cares that much unless he's super, um, unless they give him like you know eighty mil or whatever, unless they offer well, him that. I think Draymond's the one they screw with, and I think Lakeup gets that blame. Um, and I think that the fans. You know, it's just smarter oh, fans see, out I, here. I see. I, so, uh, I disagree with you a little bit. I think ooh. I think there's no way that Draymond has an amicable exit if he was to leave. And there ooh. will be no some, chance. There no will be chance. some. Uh, nope. There'll be there'll be enough quotes that people will just be going off of full <laughs> mm-hmm. emotion. You know, so like uh, he'll go like three quarter Jimmy Butler, or are we saying like a full Jimmy Butler, or like put this on the scale for us. And then you got to factor in he's by he's beloved by the Oakland Warrior fans. Uh, yeah, but then they're moving over to the Chase Center, so it's it's going to turn into this whole uh, East Bay versus City thing in the Bay Area. Wow, uh, it's going to be it's going to be the quite frankly the type of thing Andy and I both just roll our eyes out whenever we see it on on the timeline. So like it's, that's my least favorite rivalry I see all the time. So the sweater vests are going to be like, well, we don't really need Draymond. People called him the heart, but he wasn't really the heart. It was really all about Steph's talent. That's what the sweater vest contingent's going to be saying. Absolutely. You know, Ugh, that's I'm, awful. I'm gonna, I don't want pivot, that. I'm going to pivot into that too. I'm going to get myself some. <laughs> I'm going to get myself some uh, some pink sweater vests. It's just Patagonia Espandiari is yeah, ready. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, one of the things I've enjoyed most about following you guys over the last like three or four years here is there's obviously like 12 months of Warriors takes uh, and just like. <laughs> the most arrogant shit on the internet. But then also Sam sprinkles in these little takes on the San Francisco housing crisis every, <laughs> every couple hours. And so I know nothing about that, any of that controversy, but I just pick up these little nuggets from Sam every few days. And it's I think great. I started ranting on that when I saw you, uh, when you were here for the <laughs> <You> finals, <laughs> we're walking somewhere in the city, and then I just start pointing to places that they refuse oh. to build housing. Yeah, Andy's Andy's got used to just kind of like you know zoning me out and like playing on his phone when I do that. So well, watch out, after Ben, a ben Carson is coming for your job. You know, <laughs> <laughs> eventually the the Warriors are going to remain relevant long enough so that I will understand exactly what's happening in San Francisco <laughs> from following you. Okay, um, so let's. So, but wait, uh, one more, one, one more yeah. KD thing. One more. KD yeah, I was going to go back so to that. I was, uh, cause, cause I'm, uh, in all honesty, I feel bad for him. Um, the standing, I do too. Cause I, cause I, with, with KD, it's like, you know, he sees everything, everyone tweets, right? So, um, you know, subconsciously, I was like, you know what? Maybe if I, if I stand for the guy, he'll, he'll love it. He'll want to stay. Doesn't matter. He doesn't really care about that love, that love, however much that he gets online, right? It's more about like, how much of people hate him, I guess. Um, and so I just, I, I feel bad just, just cause it's like, he came here to win and he's won, but you've got, um, you've got people on other teams, you know, guys like LeBron who have turned losing into somehow winning nowadays yeah. in, in 2018. So it's like, 
So he's kind of stuck in a situation where it's like he can win and he can win the next year and he can win the next two years. And he just will still have the same people saying the same thing because nowadays I think it's less so like people caring about just straight up winning rather than just like, okay, how did you get there? And like even if you lost, if you lost in a way that's really cool and heroic, that's better than winning. Like that's kind of how we function. Well, and so that. I don't know yeah. if I agree with that entirely. I think that's specifically a LeBron thing, and <laughs> and it's not necessarily universal. But like the Durant, he, Durant really is in a fascinating spot where he's one of the only athletes ever who can't win even when he wins. And I think it's just a function of how amazing that team is, you know. And and like if Draymond. He wouldn't even have to leave. If Draymond were injured in the first round of this upcoming season's playoffs and Golden State still won anyway, leaning on KD and Steph to be amazing, like I do think a lot of people would step back and be like, well, holy shit, like that was incredible. So basically but, him do it pulling like the Magic Johnson thing where he kind of just, you know, uh, Kareem got hurt, but he just covered his role because KD's he, capable of doing that talent. Yeah, he I'm not, is. I'm not sure either, though, because Steph's injured to open last year's playoffs, and still people didn't want to give KD full credit, and people were questioning his finals MVP. I'm kind of wondering if he's at the point of his career now where, especially after this coming season is done, and you guys could probably speak to this better, I mean, how much more can he extract from the Golden State Warriors experience that he hasn't already? In other words, has the balance changed You know, pretty considerably here over the last couple of years where the Warriors maybe don't have quite as much to offer him as they did when he first got there because he's got the rings, he's got the finals MVPs, he's taken it as far as he's going to get. He's never going to be more popular than Steph. Uh, he knows that, and he knows that better than anybody, I think, after these last couple of years. And you know, Andy, even though you, you think he doesn't care about, uh, you know, your support of him, I just think he's smart enough to see through it, you know, and I think he realizes, <laughs> like, you know, when push comes to shove, most people are going to be riding with Steph. And I just think, you know, I, I can see a pretty strong argument that after this season, he looks around and says, you know what, Golden State, you gave me everything I came for. I'm good. Let's move forward. I just Gosh, see him dude. as kind of a why would he be happy in his next situation? Like the Knicks rumors with Kyrie, let's, let's assume that's still on the table. Yeah. Is he not just going to be kind of upset when all of New York loves Kyrie more than him because Kyrie is more fun. Like it's the same mm -hmm. thing that happened with Russ. Same thing happened with Steph. Um, and I don't really get it, but it's just kind of like he, he's, he doesn't elicit the emotional response from fans the way that other stars do, even though he's as talented, if not more talented than any of them. Can I just interject as a like longstanding Durant in Golden State hater? I, I think he doesn't elicit that emotional response because fans are smarter than I think a, a lot of times they get credit for. And people like basketball fans know we don't really see Durant unleashed at his fullest it, more than like once per playoff series and I think like we've seen him dominate the Cavs who are like hopelessly overmatched and people try to pretend that that's cool and that that's like a signature <laughs> career defining performance and it's like come on get the hell out of here like I've seen Durant dominate the Dur Durant when Russ went down for those three months during his MVP season was fucking awesome. And that's the version of the player that I think would elicit emotional responses from people. 
And so to me, I think he can still be that player in Golden State. And the mistake would be assuming that like fulfillment would come trying to be like the the valiant hero in New York because that story probably ends badly. And then he's not going to have a title. You don't trust, you don't trust Jimmy Dolan? It's weak. Yeah, I do not. Well, see, here's the thing. Like, bad things just happen to the Knicks. I wouldn't go to the Knicks strictly because of the last, like, 30 years of karma that's just followed that franchise. And obviously, Dolan is sort of the common denominator in most of that. But, like, I don't know. If, he, if Durant went to the Knicks, I would be convinced that he was going to, like, break his foot two months into the season, and that was going to be it. You know, I kind of bought into the whole storyline that he was going to find the fulfillment you're talking about when he got to Golden State, playing the right way, being a part of something bigger, you know, running this thing out to a dynasty. And I think, unfortunately, those are the things that I wanted for Kevin. And I'm not sure he actually (laughs) cared about those same things. You know what I mean? Like, I do think that he probably feels a little boxed in in Golden State, just like you guys are always complaining that Steph doesn't get enough shots, like Andrew just pointed out. You know, there's a lot of nights where Katie's not getting enough shots either, and that's why I wonder whether it could be sort of like LeBron after the four years in Miami, where he's just sort of like, you know, I quote-unquote, I went to college, I, I got what I needed to to get out of the Miami experience, and now I'm going back. I could see Kevin making a similar calculation, especially if he wins three titles and three finals MVPs. It's like, that's a pretty... Know, sterling chapter of your career now go uh, maybe you don't have to be the man in New York but maybe go find a different situation where you're clearly the number one guy the whole thing's built around you and you can go out there and try to score 50 points on any given night and, and maybe have a little more fun doing it and that's yeah. always that's always my question um, he's clearly capable of doing that and talented enough and I, I, I just don't know where that situation is where it, it doesn't really exist like New York will not be that situation um, and then, and then you, it's just a question: of What team is he really going to go to? He's you not going to get that next to LeBron. If he goes, what to about L- what about the Sixers though? Mm, maybe. I mean, Joel is going to be more loved than he is. It's going to be step part two. You know, it like the, be, they're going to be yeah. chanting "Trust the process" and, and MVP when Joel's at the free throw line. Kevin's going to be looking around like, "Come on, man! <laughs> Come on!" <laughs> I'm just surprised they haven't been mentioned more because it would be a really nice basketball fit. There would be the same tension with Embiid, but like I, I don't know. Maybe the favorites to win the title. Yeah, that, it'd that's be a lot of fun. Sure. I want him to go to the Lakers. Is that wrong? I mean, if he's not, I want him to stay with the Warriors. First of all, I want him to find fulfillment with the Warriors, but I'm worried that ship is sailing. But my backup player would be the Lakers. It would be pretty nuts if he tag team with LeBron. And they just, you know, played at this insanely high pace, just like run and gun, trying to, you know, outscore teams every single night. Katie would be playing the five basically every single night. Like that would be a pretty wild team to watch. And, you know, KD and LeBron teaming up to beat Steph for the first time in their careers, that would be pretty interesting. I'd be okay with that. Speaking of, Sharp, we found you Brilliant. on this podcast because when that podcast when you guys did the first top 100 and you guys talked about the the number one player i texted sam right at the end of that pod and i was like yo this shit that sharp just said amazing just it fulfilled <laughs> it filled my soul with hope uh for humankind uh-huh. so i'm gonna let i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you explain it you found the right pod take as much time as you need um to to go over what you meant by saying you would take steph um over anyone else uh, well, here's, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because what I said specifically was that 
I would take Steph if I were making my own list, and it would be hard for me to put Steph at number one on behalf of Sports Illustrated because, like, I think objectively speaking, Steph has injury concerns that complicate his value if we're using Ben's rubric for ranking players. But, like, to me, I just he's he's been so explosive and such a good teammate and, like, the the system that he creates is more valuable than anything else that guys are generating and and part of it for me is that i think lebron has become a little bit overrated over the last few years beautiful beautiful (laughs) you're in a safe space keep going i i know i'm in the safest possible space for these takes but i think that defensively he's fallen off and offensively he's basically playing a rich man's version of what russell westbrook has been doing in okc and getting killed for for the last two years but like when LeBron does it, it is just like, holy shit, this guy is the greatest to ever play the game, and we all need to bow down. And like, I, to me, that just rubs me the wrong way. I don't think he is uh, – I think he turns everybody into like Channing Fry, uh, who not, not playing the game, team. Not playing the game Ooh, purely. Not playing, not playing for the love of the game the way Kobe used to, the way Jordan no, did. Oh, it's all about – <laughs> Look, LeBron is in an amazing phase of his career. I think it's the most entertaining phase of his career. But uh, I, I also think that w- people are too often conflating entertainment with effectiveness. And uh, it's fine. I think LeBron's the second or third best player in the NBA. But So, Sam and Andy, I'm going to jump in here. I need your guys' help because, as you know, Andrew has this persistent problem with hedging and like trying to play both sides and getting all political <laughs> And, you know, he's just laid out this very strong anti-LeBron case for not being the number one player. And yet, when we put a gun to his head and I say, if you were running the list, who would be number one? He says LeBron. So I need you guys to bolster this argument for uh, Andrew so he could be more comfortable with what his heart's telling him and what I think his mind is telling him, too, which is that he thinks that's the best player on the planet. Like, you guys need to, like kind of just coax him, you know, like give him the push so that he doesn't, like, you know, s- sit up here on the... Uh, on the diving board, afraid to jump up. <laughs> Listen, Sharp, it's all right. We understand the type of backlash that you get from the media when you come out issue. with facts like this. You know, like <laughs> just, just. I mean, let let Sam. Let's we, let's, we, we applaud about- you for not being impressed by him bullying Demar Derozan and rookie Jason Tatum <laughs> and writing that off as if that's some grand accomplishment. We yeah. applaud you. Well, I appreciate it. It was like we were living LeBron fan fiction for a couple months last year, and it was fine. Again, it was really great. Uh, but I, it, the thing is, I think everybody as a as a basketball community, we're all we all just want to appreciate LeBron, and uh, and that's a, a totally rational impulse. Um, but to to be fair, Ben, I actually chose three number ones. I said Kevin Durant would be number one if he had not if he had gone somewhere other than Golden State. Steph would be my heart's number one, and LeBron is the politically correct answer. This is like a custody arrangement where like a couple <laughs> these guys get to have like the number one ranking on every other weekend, and there's certain guys like for the, the weekdays. No, it's ridiculous. I can't keep up with your analysis, but um, I have noticed from both you guys you are taking more shots at LeBron. I, I think you guys smell blood a little bit. I think it, you're you're both ready for the Lakers to go under the over-under line. Oh, you're yeah. probably in the back of your mind thinking that they're maybe not even going to make the playoffs. 
And I, I see you putting out the feelers and the tester kits just to see like how far can you get away with it before people freak out on you. Um, yeah, you if you gotta, had you to pr- see where the line is, like Ben is hundred percent correct. He's if a you hug. had to predict where you guys are by April in terms of this the LeBron slander on the scale of one to ten, what would you put it at? Oh, it's full OKC Westbrook. It is. Remember that first season? Remember that first season when, when, oh my when God, yeah, it, it was, it was just roasting him nonstop. He won that triple double and like, and then like it kind of culminated this year into won him. <laughs> he won. He won. That's perfect. He did. He did win it. I mean, I'm surprised they don't have a banner for that. <laughs> and then, and then him getting getting played by Ricky Rubio, like all that, like that is our version of fan fiction, right? Like that is yeah. our. Like there's nothing better than to watch Russ go out there and just panning and sighing and going after Ricky Rubio, someone who like, come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's like a top. You're down two one. In, you're down two one in a series, Come and on. you're more concerned with like proving you're the man against Ricky Rubio than winning the series. It was well. It was listen, it was perfect. N- nothing will ever top Russ snickering at Steph's defense up two one against the Warriors, and then or, maybe one. it was up three one. I think it was three one. one. Yeah. Well, and e- either way, proceeding to just get torched over the final week of that series. I mean. That doesn't get brought up enough. It, it doesn't, and KD sat right next to him knowing that he'd be a warrior. That, that Probably even better. <laughs> yeah. Probably even better. Um, no, but that – because I, I, I truly think – and I, I'm not going to go ahead and say, like, the, like the Lakers aren't going to make the playoffs, but, like, I think they're, like, going to be at 500 most of the season. And yeah. like near the end, they may like they may end up winning like forty three or forty four or forty five games. But I don't. I mean, it's not like the bottom two or three spots in the West are that great this year. I don't think. But they're just they're not going to be good. Like you're playing Javale McGee thirty minutes. I don't. I, I was scared when Javale McGee played three minutes and he would fall <laughs> down on Steph's knee. Right? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, can you imagine him jumping th- around in the room? That guy's a stick. Am I the uh, highest on them? Because I'm, I'm willing to bet the over. I think they hit fifty. Really, Whoa. I like them. Whoa. I think they were. I think they were going to be five hundred without LeBron anyway. So I think they were. They were on the rise. Um, You're a bandwagon Warriors fan. That's what you are. That's that's what that's what my that's what my followers <laughs> tell ba- me. I'm about to kick you off. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think they're. I think they're going to be good. I think they're. It's going to be insufferable because anytime they win two games in a row it's gonna it's gonna be pushed uh pushed as if they're on like a 30 game winning streak so it'll yeah be, it'll be like the <laughs> it'll be exactly like all the lebron stuff uh that you were discussing earlier where like everyone wants to appreciate him and they 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 feel bad about kind of everything that happened in 2010 11 with the heat that they overcorrect to a point that it's equally insufferable yeah, you know, and I don't want to overcorrect to uh, like overreact, let's say, to the Lakers optimism that's out there um because my gut is that this team wins 39 games and LeBron <laughs> doesn't finish the season oh and just waits it out in until July and uh I think a smarter my head is saying they're going to win 44 or 45 games and, and finish in seventh place. Um, but I don't know. I think like the one thing that that is kind of fun about this Lakers season is that nobody has any idea how it's going to go. The JaVale factor is what gives me more pause than anything else. But I think 
they could easily get six weeks into the season and trade for a big man who isn't JaVale and suddenly look a lot more interesting. So I like I'll hedge and be lame and say 45, but uh, it's going to be a mess. And can I say one other thing on LeBron slander? If I were a Warriors fan who was also invested in slandering LeBron, I would bring up more often than I think you guys do. And, and granted, like the, the 3-1 lead was a major L for Golden State. But like to me, the, the Draymond suspension was so shady that that whole thing was kind of tainted. And certainly that's how I would sell it if I were a Golden State fan. They've got so many untainted rings, they don't even need to bother with that I answer. I think that's it. I think that it's just sort of apathy because they're winning everything else. <laughs> I love how Sharp came in here and just is just giving us just giving us food. Essentially, <laughs> he's just he's just giving us this. I, I do wonder sometimes, Ben, when Sharp is is on his on some of his takes and rants. I sometimes wonder what your expression is when he says stuff like you know thirty nine wins and. <laughs> and LeBron isn't going to finish the season. I, I, hey, I love it. I love it. No. I'm all for it. I mean, I've got, I've got arched eyebrows right now. There's no question about it. But I also think he plays to his base, guys. Come on. This is, I call him the grease pig for a reason. He's going to go on some lake. He's going to go on a Lakers World podcast in two days. He's going to be talking about how he loves the, uh, the old money, traditional. Ingram. He's going to be talking about George Mikan back in the day. He's going to be saying that magic doesn't get enough credit in the goat conversation i mean all right so he knows how to play to you guys um but But wait would you would you dispute that there's at least a possibility that things go sideways we've seen lebron check out before sharp he's gonna finish the season man come on he played 82 games last year he's not gonna just go to the bahamas in february and call it good i think he's gonna play it out he's done that like three of the last six seasons there's a non-zero chance yeah, there's well, he's, he's taken he's taken some midseason vacations. Yeah, he's, he's you're just trying to construct a scenario. Yeah, you're, you're trying to construct a scenario <laughs> where Ingram is their best player. I could see your mind working because that's your it's your real BFF there, Brandon Ingram. That's uh, right. No, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Isn't yeah. it go? Isn't it a bridge too far for real, Andrew, to just imagine a playoffs without LeBron? And like, let's picture the backlash, not even just from these guys, but I think the entire NBA blogosphere would turn into this Warriors world corner if LeBron misses the playoffs. Like, don't you think it would go from zero to 100 in terms no, of like Le- LeBron? Like, you really don't think there would be a huge backlash to his legacy if they miss the playoffs? People love LeBron. People want to love LeBron, but and they, they like, but they love they love to make fun of losers too, though you know. And he hasn't been in that category in a long time. Remember how much fun people had in 2011? It was a a freaking haters barbecue, you know. Okay, yeah, but people are again fans are smarter than they get credit for, and I think everybody understands that Javale McGee is Javale McGee, Lonzo. I think we're going to get a couple months into the season and there's going to be sort of a reality check on what Lonzo is. And really, like, Ingram and Josh Hart are the only good players on that team, a- apart from LeBron. And so, and Lonzo is is good in a kind of, like, he does all the little things kind of way, but he he has a lot of holes in his game. And so, like, LeBron is dealing with a serious challenge. And if he fails, I don't think that many people are going to hold it against him. I do think they're going to make the playoffs because... The, the bottom of the West isn't quite, isn't quite as crazy as some people make it seem. I mean, like, the, I, you know, got I think the, the West is pretty stacked still. 
Yeah, I mean, if the wolves fall out, we can. Well, let's assume <laughs> when that happens. when the wolves fall out, they're <laughs> they're already out, man. It's done. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't I like if you had asked me in July, I would have said there are like eleven playoff teams, and now I don't know. I think there are solid like eight or nine. Well, we got to talk about that's actually that that's the next topic. We got to talk about contenders because. I'm on the sharp side, obviously, of Houston. Ta- not It was a seven-game series, but it wasn't like a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that they've cheapened up and let Ariza walk away and signed some dude named James Ennis um, <laughs> and some other guy, Michael Carter-Williams, like I didn't even know he was – I thought he was in China. Like I thought he was scoring 30 points in China off just all layups. He Somehow he's should on the be. <laughs> he probably – he would be, actually, if Jimmer can drop 40. Um, so now I'm a little bit confused. They they seem to be uh, uh, the second, you know, the, the the number one contender to the Warriors. But I don't know. I kind of feel like the Raptors, the Celtics, and even even the Sixers have a better chance of knocking them off. But I don't know, Ben. Like I, I feel the like Raptors every time I hear you, fool's gold. I don't know what you see in the Raptors. All right, all right. I don't know what you see in James Harden in the postseason. Well, it's the same yeah, you thing. Guys- too. Come on. Say, Andy, this is what I'm saying. You were sweating bullets in the middle of that Western Conference Finals. Now you're going to come talk tough when you have a couple months to think about it now. They <laughs> always, had you back baby, against always. the wall. you got to give Harden his credit for what was it, Game 4, uh, when that series was about to slip away from them. He came through in the clutch, man. Uh, Did he? But I think – I thought he yeah. should – no. Yeah, he had a big night. After, you know one what? Of the, one, one of the two games in Oakland, he had a big night. Andy and Sam, this is a, a narrative that Ben has invented in his own head, <laughs> and we just got to let him cook. You know, I've tried fighting the good fight here to, to bring Ben back to the light, but it is what it is. He wants to believe in James Harden, and so we just got to let him be. Let let Ben be Ben. Well, first of all, if we're going to say that Golden State's this all-time team, which they are, and they had an incredible defense, easily the best defense in the entire uh, NBA playoffs last year once they ramped it up, for Harden to be able to get them to a Game 7, and I definitely think his presence, it's not full Steph gravity, but Harden definitely has his own gravity. And then when they needed him in uh, you know, Game 4, I'm pulling up his box score right now, <laughs> 30, points, 30 points, 30 points on the road in Oracle. Uh, 3 for games. 12 from 3. Was, there we well, go. But did that's, they win or did they I'm lose? Negative. Did they make Andy sweat or did they not? I'm just <laughs> saying. Plus minus. How many? How many other guys? <laughs> how many other guys minus. are capable of pushing Golden State to a, a game seven? And we have to give Harden credit. Yeah, I, mean, I, I give PJ Tucker all the credit. Give that was all Jeff Bastelic and PJ Tucker and Trevor Ariza. The defense uh, pushed them to game seven and weirdness sharp, in the Golden State locker able. room. You guys are killing me here. <laughs> they, okay, so how about this? How about this? Over, um, they didn't score over a hundred after game two. Like, so, so, was... so a lot of people make fun of like Steph, right, for not really having like the moment. I think KD now has his moment. LeBron obviously, obviously has his moments. If James Harden is going to be in the same line as those guys, which you can make puts it... him there, though. I mean, who puts him there? Like, he's definitely below those guys, right? I'm I just mean, saying he's put, the. And- yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, he's not LeBron. He's not KD. He's not Steph. But when you compare him to Russ, I would way rather have Harden oh, in the sure. playoffs than Russ in the playoffs. You compare him have, to Giannis, yeah, but... never won a playoff series. You compare him to oh, Embiid, yeah. who, who's getting played off the court at For certain sure. times of the of the Celtics series. I mean, who else is above him at this point of his career? I guess that's my point. Yeah, that's fair. I would rather have Giannis in a playoff series, I think. Ooh. <laughs> Well, I mean, he couldn't beat the the broken down Celtics last year. You know, I love Giannis as much as anybody, but until he can shoot, I think you've got issues. All right. Well, question for you guys: 
So who's who's actually scary to you as a challenger? Nobody. You can hear it. Listen to these guys. They're not scared of anyone. They're trying to pretend they're afraid of the Raptors because they got nothing to talk about. All right. Well, look. Sam's beating down the Celtics sharp. So you're trust me. You are you are right. He's right there with you. He can't. He literally cannot stop talking about the Celtics. He thinks Tatum's the next Kobe. He thinks Jalen. Massachusetts. Oh boy. Unbelievable. No, seriously, it's unbelievable. Every week with this dude. I haven't gotten into it, but I really do think Boston, like Ben and I have alluded to it on Open Four. I I wrote about Boston for a story that's coming this week, but like I think in a in a seven game series against Golden State, they can make life difficult in part because you know like Marcus Smart is going to be able to beat the crap out of Steph and make his life miserable, and then they've got like these three or four wings they can throw at KD. I, I I don't think they have enough p- firepower to actually beat you guys, but uh, it's going to be k- more interesting than I think any series we've seen thus far. I mean, I, I don't think it'll be as interesting as the Houston series was last year, but I do think when you're looking at the second group of contenders outside of Golden State, they're the deepest, they're the most balanced. They've got the most veteran, you know, star power and guys who are going to, you know, work well together. I just come back to this idea. If you put them head to head in a series and you say, how many matchups does Boston win over Golden State? I mean, no more than one when they're putting their best fives on the court, right? Like maybe you can argue, uh, you know, the Iguodala role Boston would have a matchup, but you're taking Steph over Kyrie. You're taking KD over all of their wings. You're taking Draymond over Horford, uh, you know, in a in an elimination game, you know, format. Yeah. And that's scary to me, right? Like if you're picking players from those squads, I'm taking three Warriors players before I'm taking anyone on the Celtics. That seems like that's a problem. Yeah, I would give I would give Boston two series out of ten if they play it ten times. <laughs> Wait, seven game series are playing seventy games here in your hypothetical world. <laughs> we're canceling <laughs> we're the season. Video, we're just running it video back games, all year. bro. Come on, you're like my career mode here over on the microphone. Come on now. Oh man, I don't know. What do you think, Sam? I got to see how their young guys look this year, but I do think they match up well with the Warriors. And then there's the second factor. Um, Kyrie messes with the Warriors better than anyone in the league. They have, they have issues with him. We know he can score on them when he wants to. And then you got to factor in the Kerr-Stevens thing. Kerr's going to for sure. (laughs) The Warriors love to – like the scenario in which Boston makes it a seven-game series – inevitably involves the Warriors overcomplicating things the same way yeah. they did against Houston. And Boston's the type of team that they they could get up on and then Boston makes some adjustments and then they you know they, they refuse to switch around and you know it's it just it, it goes in all sorts of weird directions because the Warriors like to do that. That's so, a, that's another good point is Stevens was giving you guys trouble when he was working with like Isaiah and Jay Crowder and Kelly Olynyk, and even that was weird. But he could definitely figure out ways to screw with you guys. There's there's a low key thing to look for too, because when when you watch the playoffs last season, it started with KD against the Spurs, where he had all the touches, uh-huh. and then when Steph came back, it was still KD, and then against Houston. There were a lot of ISOs in those first couple games, and his best, like one of his best games as Warrior, maybe like top three, maybe the third best, was in that game one against Houston, but it was also a lot of ISOs. And then it kind of put him kept... into bad habits because it worked he... in game one. 
So that's that's a thing, sneaky thing to look for because that's something that the rest of the players may not like because that's not how they play basketball. Um, so that's something that I'd look for. And it's going to be a, a nice little dance that they have to do because they're also trying to say, hey, like, KD, we want you back, right? And, and not necessarily alienate him. So I don't know how Kerr's going to do it. I don't know, like, how KD feels about it. But, like, that could be something where it's a little problematic. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, Horford's a poor man's Draymond, right? Like, I mean, you called Tucker you, a poor, poor man's Draymond, and that matchup worked out pretty well for them. He, all right, Tucker's better than Horford. Uh, like, so in, in the in the postseason, I'm not really worried about that. I respect that. that take so much. <laughs> Anything like, to diminish Harden, I love it. I love it. He's got more help than anybody over here. <laughs> Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are young. That that's the other thing as well. Like that's one thing I wouldn't worry about. Like if you told me like a year or two years from now, I'd be I'd be worried. But then who knows if Horford's still going to be on the team or Kyrie's going to be still on the team so like but like i like jason tatum and, and jalen brown in an nba finals game like, like that's not something that you really care about or, or uh, are worried about katie's gonna be baptizing those guys hey I, i'm sorry to be like 50 cent over here with 21 questions but i got another one to marcus cousins how much do you think in the key playoff moments whether it's boston or houston or whatever else like how much do you think they're gonna go with him uh like down the stretch of games or playing large minutes versus just rolling out that death lineup like they've they've done in, in the last couple of postseasons when they really needed Go- to. Like, are they going to go big or small? Do you think? Golliver, you know the answer to that. Kerr's going to ride with Boogie way longer than he should. Oh, it's no. just it's just a given because he re- he'll refuse he to make. He won't the, though. He'll he refuse he to make the adjustment to spite them, basically because he knows they're not trying hard enough to to run the system the way he wants, and it'll turn into this little dance. I think he's going to put Sharp in a tough question or tough position because that's what you want, isn't it, Sharp? Don't you want him to just just ride with Boogie whenever it matters and just do it? Five All Stars. No, here's the thing. I think Boogie is going to be better than everybody expects, and it's weird how it seems like as a collective community, we've all just decided that Boogie is going to be like a shell of himself and a liability every minute he's on the court. I mean. He can still like body people and I if his if his job is to be a better version of what Zaza was in in those minutes last year like Boogie can be awesome. I I don't so he's I have, a, he's I have two I have two two um two retorts to that. One I would just like someone to show me someone around Boogie's size and age who's had an Achilles surgery come back and been awesome cuz I can't think of yeah. anyone. So that's always going to be one worry. The second one was what were you saying? Oh, he can um, a better version of Zaza. Do you think he'll actually want to play like that? Because I think he's going to want to take his shots. I think he's going to want to play like Demarcus Cousins. I don't think he's going to like gracefully turn into you know Andrew Bogut or some 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 role player. Like I, I think he's going to want to be who he is, and who he is is pretty good and it's useful. But there will be games where it's like. All right, why is why are we you know you you have Steph Curry and you have Kevin Durant and every possession is ending in a Demarcus post up? Why is this happening? You know? yeah, yeah, well, and that's a fair concern, and it to me it comes down to the difference uh, between who Boogie was on the 2016 Team USA versus 2014 at the Worlds with Team USA. Like in 2014, he was awesome. He played really hard. In 2016, he just like didn't really 
give a shit and and was had kind of a bad attitude most of the time and wasn't very good but like i think if he's bought in to what they're doing he could be really solid for them and i there all i would say is that there's like a 40 percent chance this works really well and people are acting like there's like a five percent chance it works really well you know you know what the best part of this is is that it took us 50 minutes to talk about demarcus <laughs> to talk about demarcus cousins <laughs> Like, well, that's, that's nuts. That's actually a question I have for you guys. It's like, to me, it's nuts how little anyone is talking about the Warriors as an actual basketball team. Like, there have been KD stories, but beyond that, nobody really cares to talk about what the Warriors are going to be. Mostly, I guess, because it's obvious that they're just going to be the best team in the league again. But, like, can you guys sense a lack of interest? I mean, I, I'm not particularly interested and, and in I watching. Think they, and I think they like it that way because, like, obviously Kerr loves to draw on uh, Popovich as, like, you know, his mentor. But, like, the, all the quotes that come out of them is just about, like, long haul and, like, limiting minutes and playing the depth. Like, it's, it, it's, it's boring to talk about. Like, do I really – care to deep dive into like the X's and O's of what the Warriors are doing in an October game when I know Kerr's <laughs> when I know Kerr's putting out lineups that are like it's basically more about not guys not getting hurt than anything like he's he's already said he's not going to play Draymond at his best position he's yeah he's not he's probably not going to play KD at the four nearly enough because he wants to play KD at the four come March March through June so it's just kind of like it's it's kind of boring because there's aside from Steph getting hot, no one's really doing anything to you know maximize their talent. Like even when they play a a Houston or an LA or Boston, like one of these like marquee games in the regular season, you know you know Kerr's gonna run out like Looney at the four and like maybe Jordan Bell at the three, something like you know he won't do in the in the playoffs, and it, it, it's it's pointless. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, are are you excited to watch like the Thunder game Tuesday night? I mean, Russ isn't I didn't playing. Even know there no. was a game. <laughs> well, yeah. Russ isn't playing, right? Yeah, I think he's not. I, it's just they, like uh, something like that. I'm just like, all right, I guess we we can all watch. But I wish they had put another game on to open the season. It's, yeah, it, we're in a weird place. I would have been shooters, into it if Russ shooters was playing. putting up forty shots, man. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's going for the glory. I can see it already. I do appreciate – has anyone ever, like, done an in-depth piece, like, on what really makes Sam Presti tick? Because he seems to just love these irrational confidence guys. You know, there's the Dion Waiters era. Um, obviously, he loves Russ. You got, you got Dennis Schroeder. He's, I'm surprised he hasn't traded for Hassan Whiteside at some point. I don't know. It's They, they just keep going after the same type of guys. He and is kind still, of a control freak, so maybe it's one of those things where, like, he's he's living vicariously through Dion Waiters' shot selection. You know, like he has the very <laughs> crisp haircut. Like he, like you probably read that article where he like lined up all the basketballs so that the uh, the logos would all be like perfectly symmetrical, and then he goes out and rolls out lineups with Schroeder and and Dion Waiters. I mean, <laughs> I do think uh, you know a- amateur psychologists could see right through that behavior. <laughs> Dude, they haven't had shooting in like ten years. So whatever <laughs> Sam Presti is into, like he needs to hire one person in his office who helps him get a real shooter next to Russ and PG. I, I don't know how it happens. Would Russ happened. even know how to use a shooter? 
Well, that's did you see that Oladipo video? <laughs> did you? But did you see that Oladipo video um, on a? Uh, on the bronze, uh, new, you know, his new uh, thing that he's doing that's not basketball, his new shop. You know, show. that's actually another example of, of how people, how badly people want to love LeBron is that everybody is pretending the shop is actually cool and good. Uh, but I hadn't seen Oladipo on there, no. He, he essentially said, um, I forgot who tweeted this, but he said that he would see, he said, he would see everyone say Russ has no help. And he remembered like on the court, literally like looking at media and looking at people like saying like, that's the dude that said like Russ didn't have help. And he would like be self-conscious about it. And the best part of Oladipo talking about Russ is not that it's about Russ. It's because LeBron sat there uncomfortably knowing that the (laughs) same thing goes for him. All right. Well, and to be fair to Russ, like, he didn't have help. Oladipo was the wrong type of help. Oladipo's game <laughs> didn't fit next to Russ, and everybody could see it at the time. I mean, we didn't grant. Granted, we didn't think of Oladipo as like an All NBA candidate at that point. But I mean, like, no, he Russ- was terrible in the playoffs. Man, he should have been like not looking at the media members and trying to drive <laughs> off the dribble towards the basket. I mean, that guy had a terrible playoffs two it's years ago. It like wasn't Russ's fault. Oladipo was not Chris Paul or Eric Gordon. He was he was like a weird fit next to Russ all along. Who's who's not a weird fit? It's it's just you know everyone's everyone's the wrong fit. Do we uh, do we want to talk about Jimmy Butler? It, it, Sam, do you have some takes there, or, or do you guys have anything you want to talk about? I mean, I I would love it if Jimmy ended up on the Rockets. Would that version of Houston scare you guys? It would be fun. Like, to me, we need that to happen just for the sake of the league because that would just be a bloodbath in the Western Conference Finals. The scenario where they get Jimmy Butler and the Warriors refuse to run a pick and roll at Mello for the first five games of the series is, 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 uh, is a fun to think about from a personal infuriating infuriation point of view, but no, that'd be fun. Um, uh, I, I would like real, to see it. There's real grenade potential with this Jimmy Butler situation where like everybody gets blown up by the end of it. Don't you think it's possible that Jimmy gets traded, his agent gets fired, Thibodeau gets fired and Glenn Taylor sells the team and just all of the people who are involved with this thing are all just doing something else like 24 months from now. That's sort of my crystal ball prediction that it just this this uh, soap opera, which things like kind of funny right now. And it's, Oh, ha ha. It's this big media circus. Like, I think there's going to be casualties on every side. I, I, I think it's going to end with Tibbs literally killing Jimmy on the floor. Like I, he's, he's going to find <laughs> weirder ways to tank deals. Like he's going to, he's going to play Jimmy 48 minutes. He's going to, he's going to do everything he can to avoid, you know, acquiescing to the owner and trading Jimmy Butler. So I think it might end with Jimmy just just not playing basketball anymore. It's Does gonna, Tibbs it, make it, it to Christmas? Sad. Well, let's take a straw poll. Does Tibbs make it to Christmas? Yes, yes. because the Wolves are incompetent and are going to keep him through the end of the season for some reason, even though everyone understands that this is going to end with him the, getting fired. They'll do the, um, the April 1st firing to give the exactly. coach oh. like seven games, something worthless. It's so strange. Although, by the way, to circle back to Jimmy on Houston, 
one of the things I love about coming on this podcast is finding out like what you guys, how you guys actually feel, and like the level of Steve Kerr resentment coming from Sam really <laughs> caught me off guard. But I'm glad to see that you're still kind of pissed off about playing Verjao in Game Seven. <laughs> I'll never let it go. Like I've, you, you guys, or you were going off about like how. Uh, we've been living in a LeBron fan fiction. I, I live in my own personal, like Steve Kerr negative fan fiction. Um, I just have these, I, I, I'm, I'm positive. He's been texting Bob Myers that they have to get Joe Kim Noah. And Myers is probably doing something where, you know, oh, I didn't see your text. I'm sorry. Like these are the type <laughs> of things I'm thinking about. So it's, it's going to be yeah. a big recruiting war between Steve Kerr and LeBron for Joe Kim Noah. It's going to be fascinating <laughs> to watch. Hey, who is your dream coach in a post Kerr reality? Like who, who I mean, if you could question. replace him or, or yeah, I know I'm just full of questions. I don't know why. Normally I just, you know, drone probably, on and on with takes, but who is Spolstra. it? I think Spolstra oh, is my favorite. Good wow. choice. That's a really solid answer. Uh, but, would would you trade for him right now? Kerr for Spolstra straight up. Would you do it? No. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> We're now trying to get you guys to say incriminating shit that we can hold against you during the playoffs. <laughs> listen, listen. The thing about Steve Kerr for me always is I, I, I don't like the Verjao thing. Obviously, like everyone else, but the thing about him is he's really good at managing people, and people don't understand how much that matters. Um, and, and people yeah. don't think like, oh, like managing Draymond Green is really tough, and it's not really just about. Hey, let's just run more pick and roll. It's like the ability to to say, "Hey, let's have Draymond and Cousins and KD all coexist on a single team and not have that blow up every season." Right? Like there yeah. are things that happen behind the scenes, and there's a reason why the Warriors kind of don't allow that to mani- manifest itself too much on the court. Right? Like they're not like Steve Kerr is one of the best leaders in that way. He like his scheme leaves a little bit to be desired, and I think. Sam agrees with me that his in-game adjustments aren't great, but he gets people to like playing with each other and well, to maximize thing. It's more he does the Phil Jackson game within the game thing, maybe more mm-hmm. than any other coach. And it's it, when I take a step back, I love it. During the process, it can be infuriating. So that's really what it, it comes down to. It's like my impatience knowing he's purposely telling them like, you know, to, to run some sort of triangly action uh, just purely for, you know, for some philosophical reason instead of just letting Steph run a pick and roll right down the middle of the defense because he wants to get other people involved because he's thinking like five games ahead or something like that. Like, I get it. And it's also annoying in the moment. So, yeah, what I the way I think about it is I agree with Andy and and you. It sounds like you agree too, Sam. But like it just um, I like with a different coach in Golden State, we may have seen the Warriors win like 40 in a row at some point and be amazing. And then also just completely self-combust somewhere along the way. So kind of what they did in 2016. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. And I, but I think. Hey, don't blame Luke for that. All right, Luke held his end of the bargain down. I think Kerr is really good at managing everybody there, and in the same way that Kerr needs to let Draymond make like five or six completely indefensible decisions each game. Kerr has his own kind of like, I'm going to go ISO and 
clear out for me moments where he calls like an extra five back screens for Steph or something and just kind of like does his own thing and indulges his inner Phil Jackson. And that's just like part of the deal, having the best personality manager in basketball. Yeah, and I I think pretty much um, – I mean, how many coaches are able to keep the locker room or keep the team unfractured after the way they – you know, the, the 16 finals ended? That should have gone in a different direction. There should have been yeah. some much deeper resentments there um, from everyone. Uh, but yeah. it didn't, so you have to give him credit well, for that. Kudos to Kevin Durant for putting all the pieces back together for him. You know, I think <laughs> – Okay, it I was walked, a really tough coaching that job. <laughs> That's a great point. Thank you. Hey, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking though, like imagine Draymond like playing for the Suns. Like Andy's, uh, you know, kind of floating this idea of like what happens if you don't have Kerr as his personality manager. Like, and you know, those like that. I'm not a robot. Moment got a lot of attention, but like, how dark could Draymond's career arc have been? Like, had he like remember there was that one you know when his contract negotiation there was like that like 24-hour period where it seemed like yes. oh they're not going to reach a deal like what if that had just gone completely sideways what's the alternate history for draymond look like something like jimmy butler <laughs> i mean i mean he i mean he's not the scorer but like something like what's going on in minnesota you I, know maybe, maybe the think... warriors are holding draymond back andrew maybe we need we need to explore this possibility look how much material jimmy's given us are we missing out on like the 25% of of draymond that's the most entertaining because he's actually in a functional environment i desperately wanted the wizards to draft draymond when he was in the in the draft i guess it was 2012 or 2011 and uh like, I wanted Jay Crowder, I wanted Draymond, and the Wiz took Tomas Sadoransky. And um, Tomas hey, is okay. Been good. <laughs> he has been okay. But I think that would have been the darkest timeline for Draymond because, oh, yeah. A, the Wizards never would have been uh, smart enough to use him as, like, a small ball five. So he just would have been kind of, like, a really effective bench guy for four or five years. And then he would have become really good friends with John Wall and then they would have had like a spectacular falling out where he's cursing out John Wall and then is run out of town and basically like it, it spends the next four or five years on the fringes of the league because nobody ever figures PJ, out. He might have had a PJ Tucker type career where he, it could have he been, ba- yeah. bounced around and then ended up in a in a situation where someone saw like if you use this guy right, he can be a very effective player. Yeah, and then everyone realizes he's better than Al Horford. I think he would have just been a Morris triplet, man. He would have gotten the FOE tattoo, and then he would have just been right there. (laughs) I don't think so, because Draymond doesn't suffer bullshit, and there's a lot of bullshit in Washington, so it would have been tough for him. I can't even imagine if Cousins had actually gone over there. Actually, he still could, so that that may be, Sharp, your your, your new thing next year. That's that's very well uh, uh, maybe a thing. Um no, I, I in in terms of uh, in terms of bullshit, I, I think it is uh, uh, with Draymond. One of the great things about him is that um, he's kind of underrated now, just because I think there was a point where he got Everyone overrated. Everyone in Golden State is underrated. That is one of the themes of <laughs> this is, podcast. You're goddamn right, <laughs> you, you are. Nothing, nothing more. I need to say no, but I, I, I think it's just. Um, I, people don't really know what they want to think about the players around, like the stars. They're just like, okay, is Draymond good? Is he not good? Is Clay good? I think actually the most consistent one is that Clay, like among everyone else, people will say KD soft or Steph has too much help or or Draymond, like 
like whatever it is about Draymond, right? But Clay, I feel like everybody has a singular thing about Clay. It's just that he's consistent and he would average 30 points if he wasn't in Golden State. I think like that's the most consistent thing you'll ever hear about anybody on Golden State, okay, which is amazing. I don't I don't agree with that. I think I Clay would well. struggle on his own. I think he's great exactly where he is, but if he had to like carry an offense, it would be an issue. And Draymond, it's hard because I love him so much. And I've loved the last, like, he's probably been my favorite player outside of Steph over the last couple years, just to, to watch him, like, on every play and watch the way he moves and interacts with guys. Like, he's a psycho. But if he had to stay healthy for an entire year, I don't know if he, he could do it. Like, stay healthy and play hard for nine months. I think his body is, has already deteriorated to the point where I don't necessarily believe in that version of Draymond. That's so that that's always going to be the interesting question for me. Um, the smart money is on him when it goes physically, it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Uh, but then the, the other side of it is everything he's done to this point has been kind of an outlier and makes no sense. And he would always he will he will argue, you know, just trust me, I'll make the adjustments I need to. So. I don't know. It it'll be interesting to see how how it goes. Like, does he care enough to, you know, change his body when he gets older? When he you know loses a couple steps? Because right now he's still twenty eight. He hasn't hit that. You know, he hasn't he hasn't hit the point where he has to really think about stuff the way that you know someone like LeBron who's thirty four has to. Yeah. Should they ramp down his minutes like really considerably? Like he's I mean he's only playing like 32 these last couple of years, but would you get like even like more spursy with it just to, you know, to extend what you're hoping for? So that would bring up the scenario where he's super pissed off that Kerr is limiting his minutes and it's hurting his chance to win defensive player of the year, which would be another game within the game Kerrism thing going on, but I I mean they should, right? They should what they know that the regular season doesn't matter for them. There's no scenario where they don't have a top two seed. So why not play them only 25 minutes a game? Yeah, I, I would do that if I were them. I, and it's funny talking to you guys, I, like coming into this podcast, I thought the most entertaining scenario would be jettisoning Draymond this summer and then having KD and Dre uh, KD and Steph take on Draymond and LeBron. But I think it would be even more fun to watch Draymond stay behind in Golden State while Durant goes to LA. And then they like the three Warriors look at KD and and Draymond comes out and definitely he would definitely give an interview where he says oh, Durant is you know a real what- warrior. <laughs> it would be amazing. He would he would say something like "You're never gonna win without me" yeah. or something. Like that. <laughs> it would be so good. I think that's what we should all be rooting for. Hey, you guys got predictions? I know everybody's picking the Warriors to win it all, sixteen and zero. I know, but <laughs> but do we? You guys have some bold hot takes um, that you want to give before we head out of here. I mean, you guys have made the league so boring that like title <laughs> predictions aren't even a thing anymore. I- I'm sticking with uh, Warriors the Warriors. In four or Warriors in five. <laughs> Give me your take. Yeah, I- <laughs> I've got Warriors in six. I think the Celtics are going to push them to six. That's so hot, scorching. <laughs> 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 
bring out Charmin's top take. They Warriors over Celtics in six. God, I have, but I, I'm just giving him a hard time because I don't know how you could pick anything besides Warriors Celtics at this point, unless you're predicting health injuries for Boston. I don't really see a strong case for Philly. Like, did they make so such a leap this summer that they're going to be better than a fully loaded Boston? And then Toronto. I, hey, think, I saw you know, I saw Ben Simmons took a three on Instagram. They'll be good. Oh, Did he? Wait, in a game or or was it a practice three? <laughs> it was a practice three. Come on, Sharp. Dude, oh, baby oh steps. My God. <laughs> I think Toronto. It's always side eye skepticism for what they're up to up there. So I, I don't know. I I feel like you're reaching or you're trying to like stir up controversy if you take anything else besides that. Who do you guys have winning MVP? Oh, LeBron. This is one of the seasons Ooh, where it's just people gonna, are gonna. Yeah. No, 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 no. But Sam, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll make you. I'll, I'll let you make your LeBron case. I mean, have you watched the wall-to-wall Laker coverage and just oh, general true. propaganda that's going on? LeBroniganda. Right I yeah, sure have. I've been a part of it. I'm a glorified <laughs> LeBron video blogger at this point. But uh, no, I think LeBron's gonna win it. I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head, but. It, People want him to win it because it's been like, what, four years since he's gotten one and he's been, you know, finals MVP in there and carrying these teams and people love the hero worship stuff. He's also going to pass Mike on the all time scoring list. That's going to be a solid month of buildup before that happens. Wow. Um, I didn't know that was happening this year. I said this to, um, to Andy earlier, but like there's no scenario where Giannis getting the Bucks to 55 wins, which would be a big accomplishment for them is going to be good enough to get an MVP over LeBron getting the Lakers to like 46 wins. You know, like the only scenario where someone wins that MVP away from LeBron is a, if LeBron, you know, goes on vacation, like sharp things or, or, or B like someone like, like the bucks win 60 plus games. No one saw it coming. And Giannis has this like real coming out party, type of thing you know like how houston won 65 last year it was a point where you basically couldn't look past what harden was doing that's the only think, way someone's taking it yeah i think oh. if if like the celtics let's say they actually won like 65 that's more reasonable than Andy's other teams right. and then it turns into like this Kyrie versus lebron mvp debate i could see a lot of people rallying around Kyrie on that one almost like a, a redux of uh you know d rose uh, versus lebron a few years ago um, just because, hey, he's one more, his, you know, he's better for his team's culture. He's helping his teammates out. They, they're playing at a higher level. I could see maybe that argument, but I'm with you on the the Giannis versus LeBron or Harden versus LeBron or Russ versus LeBron. Any of these other guys who are sort of playing martyr ball, I feel like LeBron's like set up the deck so that he will win that kind of apples to apples comparison this season every time. Yeah, I, what I would... I, I want to make clear that I do like LeBron at the end of the day. I think some of the conversation around him gets a little weird sometimes. Classic <laughs> qualifying. Just trash <laughs> I mean, him for 45 minutes. Well, no, I've like been, I've, we've been in a safe space where we can be very honest about how some of this has played out with LeBron over the last few years. But I do like him, and I admire everything he's done off the court. I think some of the entertainment stuff is a little shade not shady just like it's not as good as i i would want it to be uh but the like he needs to win more than 45 or 46 or 47 games to to be taken seriously as an mvp candidate like there are gonna be other good players who have yeah, great is, years 
are people going to vote for Anthony Davis getting the Pelicans to 52 wins over yes over LeBron getting the Lakers to let's just say seven less wins like I that's mean, not a big difference between like oh wow he got him to the three seed but LeBron got the Lakers to the six seed you know so, if the Lakers add 15 wins and the Cavs lose 15 wins or or 20 wins potentially don't you think that that's going to overwhelm whatever Davis does I guess so the like the Lakers if they're in sixth or seventh place and Anthony Davis, let's say he gets the Pelicans to third place, Anthony Davis will have as good numbers as LeBron does. And I mean, like at that point, give it to Anthony Davis. I'm I don't just know saying why one of these, uh, one of these uh, other guys, like who, who's not won MVP, so like an AD, a Giannis, like guys we know are good enough to win an MVP at some point. Um, yeah. I think they need to take their team truly to the next to like the way Steph did in fourteen fifteen or Harden did last year, like I'm talking sixty plus wins, because the difference between them taking them to a three seed, it's pretty negligible. There's a big difference between that and and actually going to the top for like you know sixty five, sixty six wins. Yeah, and I, I hate to say it. I mean, a tiebreaker here is that there's going to be more people in the media sections at Staples Center than there is fans at Anthony Davis's home games, right? And <laughs> that, Jesus. that has to matter, That's doesn't true. it? Doesn't that have to factor into this? Like, I mean, I'm not saying it's fair. That's what I'm like, saying. I'm all all ties you. are going to go to him. All ties yeah. are going yeah. to LeBron. Maybe you're right. And look, if LeBron wins a crowning achievement MVP, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Because he is going to have to be amazing for this Lakers team to be like at all respectable. Look, he, like knocks, a, he knocks Mike out on the all-time uh, scorers list, and then he winds up with five MVPs just like Mike. I think that story writes itself, doesn't it? Everybody, like, especially the voting public, can get behind that, right? Yeah. It's like uh, it's like Tim Duncan getting that all-star game as uh, as his hey, last watch, season in the NBA. Watch your mouth now. Watch your mouth. <laughs> don't don't be it. talking about Mount Rushmore now. Don't, don't, don't go at those legends. You can go at these current legends, Andy. You, know, you can have your... Fun with LeBron James. Don't be going at resist. Tim Duncan is Gulliver's LeBron. Couldn't resist. Anyway, I I have a. It's it's going to be Steph, and it's going to work out perfectly because since (laughs) KD's are since KD's already leaving, it's going to push him out. It's going to be the final like it's the final straw, right? It's like he's here. He's going to win another Finals MVP third straight title at the end of the day Steph's the one that gets the recognition because he played 75 regular season games he's healthy right you look at his numbers last year it was amazing when he was healthy um and so it's it's going to be the final thing for him the Warriors win three in a row fourth title out of five and and he's not making the chase he's trying to he's he wants (laughs) Kevin Durant to say Andy Liu is the reason I'm leaving the Warriors well, he's about three quarters of the way to that. I do think that you've constructed his nightmare scenario, which would be like four straight months of being asked, who do you think is the MVP, LeBron or Steph? Like, if that's what Kevin Durant had to go through every day from January to April, <laughs> he is gone. He's gone. He'll be right back in the backseat of that Uber with Le- LeBron playing for the Lakers next year. Yeah, he's the, that's the type of thing that would make him do something like as crazy as going to the Knicks. Like, go back to the Thunder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's at least hope he's smart enough to not do that. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I will re- really appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah. It's, I, I hope I made some sense. It's late on the East Coast, but it's great to talk to you guys. I'm just waiting for, you know, the, the segment of Warrior fans who are actually Laker fans who listen to the podcast to catch wind of your 39-win prediction. 
<laughs> no, I think I just want to encourage. I mean, forget about the aggregators. Let's get the people who make those little social graphics that have the quotes with, like, you know, the people's pictures. Let's get some uh, of Andrew's headshots with like his top ten greatest hits from this podcast, like LeBron. Uh, you know, doesn't deserve to win MVP. And roll post. Yeah, yeah. Let Let's just get those social graphics trending on Please Instagram. Don't. Please don't. We're among friends here. <laughs>